0: Welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron
1: Zikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies.
0: Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zikowski, and Today, I'm chatting with Justin Oberman. Justin is the co-founder of Generalist, a creative advisory firm that helps brands who aren't getting what they need from specialists because what they need is the big picture. He's also a student of advertising history and a prolific content creator and ghostwriter on LinkedIn.
1: Hey, Justin, how are you doing? Good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Long overdue.
0: It's long overdue. Um, I see you every day on my LinkedIn feed because you're getting hundreds of uh, engagements, comments, likes, et cetera, on your posts. And I know you're getting you know, tens of thousands of impressions. So uh, you're, you're, you're a personality there in the LinkedIn scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's still a shock to me. Somebody uh, the other day accused yeah. me of uh, of uh, gaming it or using pods or something like that. Uh, and I said, ah, the only third-party software I use is Toplio. And um, and I have DM groups where we share links and stuff, not just our own. But other than that, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's all completely natural. Right. Well, it
0: um, speaks to the quality of the content that you're putting out.
1: <laughs> that's it. It's all I focus on. I don't focus on mm-hmm. anything else but the quality of each post.
0: Uh-huh. So most of your posts that I read are, are related to advertising, adver- advertising history, branding. Um, I know you generally think about it more in a, in a consumer sense. This podcast and my work generally we work in a B2B sense. But, you know, one of the things I know we've spoken about in the past is that there there is some overlap over there. These things actually can play nicely together.
1: It's more than overlap. Uh, you know, I'm one, if, look at the name of, you know, my consultancy generalists, I'm, uh, I'm I'm pretty much fighting the fight of uh, segmentation and fragmentation. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm one of those people who it's not about B2B or B2C, it's about P2P. It's always just people to people. You're selling a product or a service to a person. And that's that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, even on the B2B side that the person on the on the business side is a consumer, you want them to buy your, your service, your technology your your whatever. Um, <clears throat> if anything, I actually, you know, it's, there's a lot more opportunity to be creative. Um, because it's, 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 a, it's a smaller niche market, like you really know who you're talking to, you know, you could do some some really cool things. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely overlap, uh, probably wow. more overlap than, than people realize.
0: It, it's interesting to you today, you think there, there's more opportunities to be creative. You know, when, when you think about, you know, direct to consumer, you take apparel, you take food, you take travel, all these things have so many opportunities to be so creative and fun with it. And yet, in you know B two B, we're selling you know CRM software or you know marketing services or whatever else it might be. Doesn't seem you know n- nearly as exciting and creative of an industry. So, so where where do you think creative creativity plays into those you know more boring industries that we talk about? Uh, yeah, I, I think
1: that it, I think that it plays in in thinking outside of, <clears throat> uh, being able to think outside the medium. As well, like, you know, while digital marketing is a great place to advertise your, your services and, and whatnot, because of the precision targeting, excuse me, you can do things differently, you can be more bold, you can take risks, you could take chances and, um, and, and be silly and and stuff like that in the B2B space that actually stands out even more because it's sort of more uh, unexpected. Um, you know, <clears throat> every industry has its joker. I like uh, to put it in crypto terms. Every every industry has its Dogecoin, or should, right? So you got Bitcoin, then you got the 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 Ethereum. That's kind of like the the challenger brand, and then you just have Dogecoin. That's kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to take myself seriously. And that's actually why I invested in Dogecoin when it first came out because I knew, I said every industry needs a joker, and the joke and and usually the joker is the one that ends up winning, in a weird way. Mm. And so I put money in Dogecoin, did pretty well on it. Uh, I think uh, Elon Musk sees this too, you know, in it. So it 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 has that's where the opportunity to be more creative is. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> The And maybe you'll tell me if you think that this is considered B2B. The London Times started a, many years ago, they started a legal section in their newspaper. And so they wanted to get more lawyers to subscribe to it. What would you do? Well, you could create you know, digital ads, right? Saying like, now we have, a, you know, just alerting lawyers to this. What they did was, is they sent a direct mail piece to the lawyers in envelopes that look like subpoenas. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they opened it. They were pissed right. off. They opened it, but now all the lawyers knew about the legal section of, you know, and like that's super creative. And and because you know who you're talking to, because it's like, oh, we're, like you know, it's like it's like magic. You don't have to hire a strategist for that, right? It's like, well, it's like we're a newspaper. We have a legal section. We want lawyers to know about it. Okay. Let's find like creative ways of getting people's attention. It's like, it, it's become sort of super simple, right. To not become, it's easier to, that's why I say it's almost easier to be more creative. Mm -hmm. Um, we know a guy, I don't, maybe you know him, you know, Sam, a, a guy who, um, his whole business is propane and he, uh, uh Flame King and the way he he tells me the story the way he became big was that he would go to these trade shows, and what he did was is he got special carbon underwear for old people that like keeps your farts in it like filters your farts okay. and uh and the body carrier category, that, category I wasn't aware of, okay yeah, in the back of it he wrote you know Flame King containing your gas since nineteen 19- whatever seventy. And he, and he just gave them out at the booth. And of course, like people came to his booth because like they wanted that underwear. And it also allowed him to like walk up to people and be like, excuse me, do you have my underwear in your room yet? You know, and like start conversations that way. Product has absolutely nothing to do with his product. Like the underwear has nothing to do with his product, but it, it got attention. Like attention's like 50% of the game. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it got attention and, and um, ultimately people buy from people and people either do something or don't do something based on what they're going to get out of it and usually what they want to get out of it is feeling good Um, so sometimes really all you need to do is make somebody feel good you don't doesn't even have to be connected to what your product is just make somebody feel good and you you will be able to uh, then move move that person in the direction uh, that you like. That's like you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even salesman strategy, right? That's what they do.
0: When you're thinking about branding in a B two B sense, uh-huh. we'll focus on the on the B two B because it's what we talk about here <laughs> on this show. Um, I think there's all, there's always a little bit of, of, of debate or confusion amongst teams and people that I, that I would talk with about what should we be branding? Should we be branding the company? Or should we maybe be starting with branding some of the individuals in the company, right? You spoke before about people, you know, it's P2P, it's people to people, right? It's how we really do business. And when I think about some of the brands that stand out to me within the the LinkedIn ecosystem, for example, it's usually I know the people first. And then because I've started following the people, I start to become aware of the brand. How, how, how do you think about that in, in today's day and age I know um, you know for example you know Dave Gerhardt you know he wrote the book you know founder brand I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people have read it um, you know it, it's all talking about that the founder the personalities in the company should be the ones to, to build that personal brand and then the transfer of that brand to the company how do you think about that
1: if you have a dynamic leader yeah if you don't it becomes hard mm-hmm. um, look it's it's why to this day if you say who are who are the top ad agencies for example you know d d b doyle dane burnback ogilvy uh, droga Five uh Wonderman like there's a reason why agencies with people's names on it are more successful I mean there are other reasons why, but when when you look at you know them. Uh, they, they tend to, to be more successful because there's no guessing who the person is behind it and you're attaching it with a name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely like during Ogilvy's lifetime, like when he was alive, right? That was a big, huge selling point. Same thing with Doyle, Dern and Bam- Burnback and today. So like, you know, today it's interesting because you have like one of the top, I would say, ad agencies, right? Cause it's B2B, right? It's the world I understand bet- the best is, um, you know, mischief. They're called mischief at no fixed address. And everybody knows that the there's a lot of creative geniuses there, but the creative genius there is a guy named Greg Hahn, right? Um, I think it's a disservice, honestly, calling it mischief. I think if it was called Hahn and whatever, I think that it, it not, not necessarily would be more successful, but I think it would have a, a legacy. I think that it, it would be easier to grasp and and, and maybe even more people would I don't know if they have any, I think they probably turned down business more than people turned them down, but at, at this point, but, um, you know, I, I, think that there's something very powerful about a person's name, um, and about a person being in the B2B space, being the main selling point of, of, of a product. And, and it's just empirical and Gary Vaynerchuk, Right. For Even in a
0: situation where, where the person isn't necessarily the product, I mean, I understand in a creative agency you want to have access to, to Ogilvy. You want Ogilvy working on on your account, right? So he's he's the name because he's the personality that you, that you want to connect to. But in reality, most people aren't going to be working with him, and he's not going to have any hands on within any given project that they're working on for a client. So so why is that person's brand so important to the agency?
1: I'm I I think it's a very you know, I think that the, the person has to be involved or at least loosely involved. I know like, you know, when, when you read a lot of things about Doyle Dern and Bainback, burnback or Ogilvie, for example, you would hear the question a lot. Well, did did Bill look at this? Did Bill see this? There's a certain aspect of it where, where that, that person has to be involved. I I don't see how a person who is not in a B two B sense, a person is involved, and is not the product. No, I think they they have to be very much the product, because otherwise, you get in very dangerous territory, where the same dangerous territory that B two C gets into, with using um, with either using the CEO as a spokesperson or a celebrity, right? <clears throat> there are a lot of successful b2c campaigns where the ceo is the spokesperson it's usually because there's some sort of dynamic individual purdue Mm -hmm. right um the wendy's guy um but um other times you know like with the sprint the ceo right like it could lead to other failure and disaster and using celebrities is even riskier because they steal the attention away from the brand um and so i'd imagine that if you under the B2B level had a person that wasn't a thought leader in the industry and part of the product, um, then you, you would be distracting heavily from, you'd be distracting heavily from that, from that product, especially on a B2B level. Cause you know, like yeah. what is, I
0: mean, I, I think, I think from my point of view, you know, the way it has to work is that the individual within the company, be it a founder, be it a sales leader, you know, some other executive senior employee, they must be a subject matter expert. Like you said, that's that's being public facing, but they're also going to be involved in the product or the messaging, of the product and the sales of the product and all those things. So they're, they're integral to the way that that experience is being transferred over to the product or over to the customer. Rather, and, and I think the tr- same would be true in, in a service business. You know, I remember speaking with Ralph Burns, the founder of an agency called Tier 11. They're a Facebook ads agency. They, they do a great job, great reputation. And, you know, he explained, you know, he doesn't work on every campaign. He's the face of the company. He runs their podcast. People know who he is. And when, but when new clients come in, they don't expect that he's going to be running their account. You know, there's a whole team of account managers that are doing that. But he's built the systems. He's built the team. He's created the whole infrastructure and the process that he's able to keep in control of because he's, he's got the managers, he's got the team, everything's been built under under his vision. And, and he's still got his finger on the post. So so it doesn't mean that he's got to be the one delivering it, but you're buying into the thing that he has created and that he is running from a top level. And 100%. I think that's hopefully yeah. how it works.
1: Yeah, that, that's how it works. That's, that's what Ogilvy did, DDB. Uh, an interesting one would be actually the Ted Bates Agency, uh, also in the 60s the Ted Bates agency, the main player there was a guy named Rosser Reeves. Rosser Reeves, whether you know it or not, Aaron Rosser Reeves is your advertising forefather. This guy was the oh, that, they, they call him the Prince of hard sell. This guy was all about science. This guy invented the term um, a unique selling proposition. Okay. Um, th- this guy was all about direct marketing. And mm-hmm. um, he would disagree a lot with the tactics used by digital marketing in the sense that he believed that you run a campaign as long as it can go. You don't stop the minute it starts sinking. You just, you keep that going because part of it is like getting it in people's heads. But, uh, you know, uh, anyway, but, but he wrote a book called, um, I can't remember it right now. Anyway, but he, he wrote a book uh, about, you know about advertising. He was a big thought leader in the ad space, very much like the opposite of Burnback. Ogilvy is kind of in the middle, and then you have like this Ross Reeves guy who's just like hard sell, hard sell, hard sell. Yeah, and um, and um, he was the the name behind the Ted Bates agency. It wasn't called the Ross Reeves agency. It was the Ted Bates agency, and he was the main creative director there um, and copywriter there. Uh, and so you have that happen sometimes. Um, and if it's not going to be Ted Bates, it's not going to be like the, the leader, it, it can be somebody else, but like you just said, they're there. It's because they're a thought leader. It's because they're an integral part of, of, of the business.
0: So, so you just touched on, on, on something, which is actually my next question I wanted to ask you, which was the idea of direct response. So so most of my career, I've been running Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, et cetera, on behalf of, of B2B and software companies. Um, and generally, our objective is we're trying to acquire customers. We're trying to get them a free trial sign up. We're trying to get them, a, you know, someone to come in and get on a demo call for their for their sales team. And, and the goal is someone sees an ad, someone clicks on the ad, they come and they convert based on whatever our conversion event, and our objective is direct response. Right. You and I have had a bunch of conversations in the, in the past about that topic where, you know, you believe more strongly in, in, in branding. But th- there's also a place for those two things to play nicely together where you can use direct, resp- direct response and still accomplish a lot of the, these goals of branding. Do you want to you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Uh, I think it's important to, to note that I'm, I'm a rare breed in the sense that I grew up in my ad career Doing both branding and direct response marketing, um, you know. David Ogilvy said that. Uh, hold on one second. David Ogilvy, uh, right? So David Ogilvy said, you know. David Ogilvy was a, you know, his ads were, you know, big ad campaigns, but um, I think, but he his his actually secret personal weapon is he used direct response in order to sell ogilvy he always he called it a secret weapon and he says Mm -hmm. that every copywriter should begin in direct mail at the time it was just direct mail um because Mm -hmm. you very quickly learn what works and what doesn't work and you you can and i think even to this day you can tell when a brand advertiser, someone who's doing big brand campaigns has worked in direct response before because usually their branding ads are better because they're thinking mm-hmm. in terms of the consumer, they're, they're thinking, I still need to make a sale, right? Mm-hmm. They're- They're having an Im- end in mind already. They're, right, they're embedding things together. In, in truth, what I believe is that the best ad can, look, there is a time for just doing pure brand awareness. There is a time for just just, uh, doing uh, direct response ads. Um, usually if you can, it's all happening at the same time at different ends of a funnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best ads are generally to me, ones that are doing both at the same time. Um, so how do we
0: accomplish that? How, how do we accomplish both of those goals at the same time?
1: Well, it depends. It depends on the medium you're using, and it depends on um, it, it, it. It depends on the medium you're using, and it depends on the circumstances that the the you know where where the the company is. Because, for example, uh, when a company first launches, right, they need sales um so you generally want to go 60 40 right 60 percent direct response 40 percent brand right um and you can either do that by doing two different things or you can do it by trying to combine both of them the dollar shave club you know uh, approach and Mm -hmm. um uh, and then after you get the sales up you want to very quickly in your second and third year switch it to to 60 40 60% brand and 40% direct response the reason for that is because it's a lot easier for people to buy from you when they know who you are period end of story when (laughs) a salesman walks into a store if they have no idea who you are you have a harder time selling them if they know who you are already it's a lot easier to make the sale and that's just the way advertising used to work that was just sort of the common knowledge um, that that You you didn't start with 100% direct response. Now, in terms of doing that anyway, if if you have a a company that just wants to do digital marketing on Facebook, so so this is why I said the medium is very important, because a television commercial or or a YouTube commercial when you're watching YouTube or you're watching television, I think the term what if the kids today call it linear, right? It it it's a different watching experience. So you're watching something, then the commercials come on and sort of interrupt, right? And you have you don't have a choice. So with those types of things you can go, you can move a little slower. You can have an opening, establishing shot of a house. You can, you don't have to immediately go and grab people's attention. You don't need to- Because right? you're not trying to
0: stop a scroll. They're, they're sitting there anyways, waiting for their show to come back on.
1: Right, right. YouTube's a little bit different. You have to deal with the skip now button sometimes, but it, even then you still, it's, it's a different, right? The medium is the message. So it's, it's, it's a different viewing experience. But when you're scrolling, like this, you have you have like point three seconds, right, to get that person's attention, and so you, you hear all the techniques about going like this and blah blah, blah you know, and 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 whatnot. Um, so if somebody like doesn't want to be on YouTube and they just want to like do the Facebook ads and or, or the TikTok ads and and you know whatnot, and um, y- you you have to make it very clear to them that. It's very, very, very difficult to build a brand that way. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult, based just based on the nature of what those ads are set up to be, right? They're 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 Mm -hmm. set up to be get your attention, click now, right? Uh, Facebook really doesn't care about they they have the brand awareness branding campaign algorithms, but you know, like it's very hard to track that stuff. Not how
0: why most of us use it.
1: Right, it's not why why most of people use it. Although, it should be right. I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, it's cheaper to just have
0: like a billboard. You're
1: but, but much harder to picture. And, and
0: I think that's right. what they're looking at. Also, right, is that brand is very hard to measure versus direct response.
1: Well, it's not. The way that it's not is that if you do brand correctly, you should see an uplift in your direct response when you then remove it. And you should also see a decrease in your cost per acquisition. It's your, your direct response in the olden days when they would do direct, they would combine direct. The magic formula was combining direct mail with TV commercials, targeted TV commercials in Mm -hmm. an area with direct mail. The TV commercials would bring down the cost of the direct mail. Right? Mm-hmm. The cost I think it's you can
0: test that by having one geographic area that gets just right. TV, one that okay. gets just the mail, and then one that gets both.
1: I mean, here's a perfect example. The, the, the best example is Geico. So Geico, at least you know, in, this, in the 80s and 90s, everybody knew Geico for the TV commercials, the really, really funny TV commercials. Nobody bought Geico insurance because of those commercials, at least like at least directly. Right. But what it did is, is it definitely made them known. It definitely made them seem this fun brand. And then what they do is they send you direct mail. If you if they can now online, if they sense that you're looking for uh, insurance, you know, they'll pop up and stuff like that. And the brand assets are always attached to it. It's always the Geico. Think about their, their, their tagline. 15 minutes or le- uh, 15 minutes or less will, will save you 15% or more on your car insurance. You can't get more direct responsey in a branded tagline than that. Right. That is like pure. It's like yeah. just pure. That's just what it, you know, it's a, it's a sale, For our results, um, right? It, 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 it's a result. So that is a really the perfect example of, of, of combining the two and, and the magic that can happen now. That's if you're doing, you know, brand awareness campaigns, like pure brand awareness campaigns and then, and then pure directors, like separately, there is an ability to do both. Um, that the lawyer, the law firm, the, the, the getting lawyers to subscribe to the London Times, right? That is, um, mm-hmm. that is a really good example of a, I guess, a brand response campaign, because That happened within a direct response medium, but it was very brandy and very creative. It brought attention to the brand, but within the direct response, direct mail medium. So the way you do that digitally, uh, you know, at first I was like, how is it being done digitally? How is it being done I couldn't figure it out. couldn't figure it out. And then I realized the way that it's being done digitally, well, the, the first examples of it is you have Dollar Shave Club. So what they do is they go and they create like a two, three minute, hero video that's really funny, really engaging that taps into the culture that become that everybody starts talking about quoting just, just like a regular TV commercial, but it's a two, three mm-hmm. minute video. So two, three minutes, very direct responsey, right? So it's within, it's like a very creative. Um, it's a, it's like a brand ad in a direct response time, time period video world. Cause it's on YouTube. And then what they do is they take that that hero and anchor video, and they use the brand assets all the way down the funnel. So even even a, a you know, a, an empty cart ad or a, a, a retargeting ad, you know, has the uh, unicorn, the pooping unicorn or the this or the you know, mm-hmm. so they, they 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 integrate that, you know, into it. And it's very much the Geico approach. It's, it's the same thing. I think, and that's what you see a lot of brands doing that. And, and if you want to do that, the agencies to go to, right? Like, you know, you go to the uh, Chamber Media, brothers Brothers, Harmon Brothers, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that we're ready for the next level of that. And I think that the next level for that is, look, you can do things worth wa- – I'm going to talk as a writer. You can do things worth writing about. I mean, sorry, you can write things worth reading or you can do things worth writing about. So I think that what we're beginning to see already is that brands are going to start doing things like Mr. Beast style, Mm -hmm. right? Making that content, their own kind of content organic child, using organic a lot more. And then taking these popular organic posts and then turning that into paid stuff that goes down, you know, down the funnel. Because there's no reason why that anchor has to be a high production video. It could be anything. It could be, it could be walking around giving out money. It could be a stunt. It could be, you know, yeah. whatever you want. We anything. see Honda
0: doing that now with the, the helpful Honda guy. He's basically yeah. doing that stunt to giving giving away money, and that's their thing.
1: Help, help, helpful Honda days, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But look,
1: yeah. also on a very very basic level even if what you're doing is just regular even if the look the client's like look I just want just want these direct response ads or whatever the one thing that I at least push for is is say okay well look at least mention the name of the brand you'd be surprised how many direct response ads never mention even mention the name of the brand or yeah. they just put the logo at the end but it's a disservice. You want people, right? Don't you want people like <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times I've seen an ad for something, a B2B ad for something and I can't remember the name of um I can't and I remember the the service, some AI thing that did this or whatever, but I can't remember the name of the brand cuz it had some funny name or this or that. You know, if they had simply just repeated the name of the brand 3 to 5 times, um, and or incorporated it somehow into the creative in a funny or cute way, then, then I would then, then when I was like looking it up later to to try to find it, I would have an easier time doing it.
0: Yeah, that was and, a trick that you taught me a few years ago that we started incorporating into the ads that my agency did, which is like, okay, hey, we're making ads <laughs> anyway, so let's just save, make sure we're saying the brand name three to five times.
1: Yeah, it's really you know, I mean, at 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 least do that. You know and that that's a lesson from brand awareness that you can incorporate into your direct response yeah. and you could start doing that today and what will you will that cause an increase in in, in, cl- in clicks of that ad no maybe i don't know it depends how creative you are with it but will it i think lead to more sales over time i th- provided that your product's good and your, and the ads are working. Yeah. It'll actually yeah, you
0: can get more referrals that way. The fact that yeah. somebody recognizes the name and, and associates it with positive things, they're going to be more likely to remember it and, and, mention it to somebody else as well.
1: Yeah. And, and the way you'll, I guess the way you'd probably see that is you'd be like, Oh, look at all of these sort of organic search, <laughs> yeah. organic search, um, you know, leads you right. know, that, that turned to sales. search, right. You know, like, uh, that that is you know it you know i think i think just overall if people just stopped segmenting it in their minds mm-hmm. and they said you know what we have this product we we want this person to buy it we uh, you know you start thinking about maybe other types of people that want to buy it and then you uh, you know, and then you just say, okay, what is, what is the best way to get, you know, these, these people's attention and don't, 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 don't think, okay, if it's going to be on Facebook, so then you got to follow these rules and stuff, but don't, don't think in terms of direct response and branding brand mm-hmm. response, just think in terms of like, it's an ad, what's the best way to get, what's the best way to use this medium to get people's attention? Right. And I think, I think you'll be good. You know, my favorite example is, um, figs. Uh-huh. Scrubs. The, scrubs uh, the designer scrubs yep. this is this is a fascinating one because they think about it if you're if you're making designer scrubs so, okay interesting product. scrubs are baggy they don't look good people want to look good i guess when they're saving their people's lives and whatnot so you would think that the obvious thing to do would be to go to digital marketing and um and target people who work in hospitals, right? Easiest thing to do, go on Facebook, find people who work, you know, and and make sure that they see the ads. They didn't do that. Not only did they not do, they didn't do that at all. They took their entire marketing budget and used it to make billboards. They used it on billboards and they had models. You know, they picked cities with major hospitals and they had the models and figs and that was it. And I remember hearing somebody talking about uh, he- hearing the CMO talking about why they didn't do that. what Why they did it that way. And they didn't use digital marketing. And the CMO asked the person said, Well, let me ask you a question. You've seen the billboards? Yes. Do you have friends that um, work in hospitals? Yes. The when you saw them at a party or at some sort of function or, or catching up with them? Did you ask them if they wore these figs that you see everywhere? Yeah. And the person said, yes, I did. It's like, how much do you think that that's worth to me? That's worth to me. The fact that you don't work in a hospital, you don't, you're not going to wear it, but you know what they are. If you know what they are, they for sure know what they are, right? Mm-hmm. right. Is like, that is worth more to me than all the immediate sales that I could get. Because what they then did was is after they did this mass awareness with the billboards, then they did the digital and their cost per acquisition was like nothing. Cause right. everyone knew what they were already. And like that, that to me is if you have the money, you have to have the money to do that. Right. Obviously. But if you can't buy billboards, I'm, there's, you know, there's gotta be something else you can do to get mass awareness. You know what, you know what Red Bull did? red bull wanted to break into the market in london they didn't have any good ad budget but they wanted to to, to become like the drink of of kids you know uh 21 year old not kids 21 to 25 year millennials. Olds target millennials at the time they didn't have an ad budget you know what they did it's genius they didn't buy billboards they didn't do that they got they collected a whole bunch of Red Bull cans and went all over L.A. and filled up the public trash cans with them.
0: Okay. Who's looking at the trash cans?
1: Well, no. The, the trash cans are just spilling over with Red Bulls. Uh-huh. So they went everywhere. Them. you went. So it looked like, this, like everybody's drinking Red Bulls. Uh-huh. Sales went through the roof.
0: Interesting. everybody
1: wanted to do drink the drink that everyone's drinking mm-hmm. it's it's not that's what i'm saying it's people oh you got it to, to do the brand awareness you got to buy billboards it helps i'm not gonna lie you know if you have the the, the budget of barbie you could do great things but like it you, you but in a way when you don't have the budget that's when the really cool stuff ideas start coming yeah. out right Again, and so marketing you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, like if that's just where the, you can get really creative and a lot more noticed in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I don't know, you've got a limited stories when it comes to the creative uh, yes. marketing campaigns that have done, And I appreciate it. And, and I'm sure everyone's enjoying the stories, um, but I would be remiss if I didn't direct our conversation a little bit to talk about LinkedIn, content writing, thought leadership, your huge personality would come to that on Facebook. <laughs> like I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I mean, can you share with them and how many how many impressions are you getting a month on your LinkedIn posts? if you don't mind sharing that?
1: I have to look that up. Let's see. I can look that Cause, up. because I'll tell you because
0: what I see is you're posting what once or twice a today and getting hundreds of likes and comments and shares on, on every one of those posts, right? Incredible reach and incredible influence, I would imagine.
1: so this is so this is how much I don't care about these things, okay. Let me ask you, Aaron, where would I even go to look to see this?
0: I know I could find it in uh, the back end of my account, but I wouldn't be able to direct you how to to click into your profile to find it right now. But that's okay. It's it's clearly a lot.
1: So I have six right now under it says analytic and tools. I guess I can click there. Post impressions. I guess that that is based on post impressions in the past seven days, sixty-nine thousand seven hundred and seventy-six.
0: So sixty-nine thousand in seven days. It's called seventy thousand. So on a so monthly 70, basis, 90, you're pushing three hundred thousand. Based on that, let's guess. It's yeah. a lot of eyeballs on your content.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a brand awareness game.
0: Yeah. So that's so, what so, I, so so that's so, so, so talking talk about your thoughts with, with with that you know personal brand awareness, personal brand building on LinkedIn, um, and and how you've been leveraging that both to build your agency. I know now you're working. You're building um, a ghostwriting business where you're, you're creating great content on behalf of, you know, a select few clients as well. Um, Unpack that for me.
1: Unpack. Where do I begin? I just started posting on LinkedIn. Mainly to get thoughts that were in my head out. um, And to learn how to. Write less on demand. So at the time you were limited by 2000 characters, not 3000 characters. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it's like, Okay, well, you know, and I really just loved advertising and marketing and, and nobody on Instagram or Facebook really cared about this stuff. So I just started sharing it, my what I was learning basically on LinkedIn. Um, So some, sometimes I would like read a book, and then I would basically rewrite what I read, the insight that I read as my, I'm not going to lie, you know, as my own thought, you know, not giving any attribution, right. Mm -hmm. To, to see if I could distill what that, that thought or theory or whatever in a, you know, um, in, in a simple way so that other, other people could understand it. Um, and then I just started doing it obviously with my own thoughts and my own experiences and, and whatnot. And that's how this began. Mm -hmm. And people, how long ago was this?
0: How many years ago did you start this?
1: I've started the Thanksgiving before I always was kind of on LinkedIn, but I really started getting like, say, I'm going to post something every day, uh, like around the Thanksgiving before the pandemic. So 2019. So we're going back to
0: 2019. So we're pushing four years now. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so consistency this is this is not about something people should expect to get to Justin's levels by by doing this for two months
1: It's not impossible to do it. I, I'm just very skeptical um, yeah. and and if you do it you're doing it in that sort of direct response sort of way and and, and those are the the people that you're getting um, content
0: gating and all that y- 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 Leave a yeah. comment if you want, want to get my PDF. i
1: I never knew to focus on algorithm stuff I never knew I never knew all I did was... Inspired by uh, Ryan Holiday, you know the guy that Daily Stoic. So I read somewhere every day he sends out an email about Stoicism, and he doesn't look at the metrics. He just sits and all he does is focus on just providing great content. So I said oh, I'm just gonna do the same. And look, I have a leg up. I'm a copywriter, right? So when if I if I use tricks, the the tricks and whatever hacks whatever that I use are all basically writing tricks and hacks, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have a schedule. I didn't have anything. I just write whatever was interesting that day. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started like, look, it became a little time consuming. So I would write whenever I want, and then I would just plop it into a scheduler and it would just start, it would post it whenever it wanted to. You know during Mm -hmm. during the time then i started like with regular things like every friday i do an advertising history post and every sunday i do a book review Uh, you know um and but really that's as really that's as um formulaic as it gets at the end of the day like you know it's interesting my most popular post is this where people say, I broke the, I, I broke the format. I wrote a dialogue between a creative director and a CEO. and mm-hmm. It really makes the CEO look like a stupid idiot, you know? But at the end the, the CEO is like, oh, I, I like this guy. You proved me right. You know? And everybody mm-hmm. was like, oh, the creative people like, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember I posted that. I had millions of impressions or whatever. Um, i couldn't turn on my LinkedIn for like two days because it was just like it just looked like <laughs> i turn it on and be like boom like it was it was pretty crazy and i was thinking to myself because of that i like i know gary vaynerchuk doesn't sign on to LinkedIn and post things because the it, it, if mine was like that from just one thing his, his every one of his posts is like that so you, you can't even use the app when it when it's when it's when it's like when it's like that What's interesting to me is that post, by all intents and purposes, should turn off people to me, right? CEO should read that and be like, I don't want to work with a guy who talks to me like that or or, or whatnot. But after posting that post, I got so much business, not from that post, but because obviously that post did something to me, to the algorithm, so that when somebody typed in copywriter or whatever, my name came up on top. Right. Like it, it, and, and the fact that I post every day, like all of these things, you know, contributed to, um, you know, to, to that radical increase in business. So much so that I know that whenever I write a post that, that's going, that gets, you know, over 1500 likes, I know that I'm going to get business increase,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not from that post, sometimes from that post. Now, here's the, the other most interesting thing. Ninety-nine percent of all my business inquiry posts on LinkedIn come from people that I am not connected to, that have never commented on my post and never liked a post.
0: Uh huh. So they're discovering you for the first time that day, based on whatever your new content no, is.
1: No, 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 no. They've been they've been lurking. They've been reading. They've been seeing me. Uh huh. Right. Um, and it's just that right. Our business marketing advertising. It's not a buy now business. have to stop treating it that way it's a when i need you business so we just have to constantly be putting ourselves out there yeah so that when they're not happy with their current marketing or when this or that or whatever or they have a friend that needs right they're like oh this guy posts on linkedin all the time he seems pretty smart maybe i should speak to him right and that's generally what happens so you can post anything there's these people, they have these rules we're gonna do top funnel, middle funnel, this, that. I, it really doesn't matter. You could just like write stories, funny things, what, 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 whatever it is that's like kind of like with you. I mean, it should be tied a little bit to things, but as long as you're generating that awareness or whatever, you know, so it does need to be tied at least somewhat to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, So, and I have a, the general rule I have, and this is about everything is not just LinkedIn, but it is 70, 20, 10. So 70% of my posts are posts that I know will work. And by work, I mean, like the content's going to be like good. People are going to get, get something out of it. I'm not talking, see, I'm not talking about, I'm going to get likes and comments. I'm talking about this is going to help people 70%.
0: Right. Providing value.
1: Yeah. 20% 20% is going to be like repurposed stuff or, um, you know, um, more hard hitting stuff. Like if I, if I need more customers or right. And then 10%, and this is every week, 10% is just pure experimental. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to write a, like I have tons of posts that bomb. Most people never see them. I see them. That that's and that's the great thing about LinkedIn. You're if a post bombs great. Who cares? No one sees it, right? Nobody, no one sees it anyway except you. So exactly. right? Um and I imagine you're
0: you're your bomb of a bad post. You're probably getting more eyeballs than my good ones, but
1: No, I wrote I wrote a post a week ago that got eight likes. I mean I and I'm averaging like five hundred, seven hundred likes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's right. got eight likes. And it was posted like 6am in the morning it was for whatever reason it just didn't it didn't uh, jive and it, it was an experimental yep. post like it was definitely a new new type of post um mm-hmm. i was being very sarcastic and very witty um leading somebody and leading them in the wrong direction and then flipping it at the end that doesn't, uh-huh. doesn't doesn't seem to work on linkedin but um yeah i think it's, a, it is, it is a very much a showing up and brand awareness game
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you cannot just keep showing up and selling yourself, man. Like that's boring and no one wants to be around that. Um, you just <laughs> write about what's on your mind. Yeah.
0: The, the key is to add value and to entertain.
1: Add value and entertain.
0: Yeah. That's pretty much or what entertain looks entertain add,
1: add, Or entertain and add value. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: and, and, so, and, and now, I mean, just as, as I'll make a shameless plug for you, I mean, and now you're, you're doing this on behalf of clients also, right? You've become a ghostwriter recently where you're taking your skills and, and working with a select handful of clients to do similar for them.
1: Yeah. I realized that I was working with, uh, one of these sales consultants. So he, so he had me kind of go and say, okay, find the reason why people want to work with you. And so everyone that came from LinkedIn basically wanted to work with me because they liked my posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for some reason in their head, sometimes they could translate that over to like, well, he writes those posts. Well, but that's not going to be good for what I need. But anyway, the point is, is it was the post. So he said, Have you ever thought about providing that as a service? And um, you had mentioned that to me several times as well. That's right. But you know, it's sometimes when when the person that you're giving money to says it, it means a lot more. Than when somebody who's when that. I say it to you. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I don't know how so, many times I told you to become a ghostwriter before you decided to take the other guy's advice to become a ghostwriter.
1: Right. <laughs> so um and what I oh and so here here here's the other thing. You ready for this? This is this is just amazing. So what I did was is I just started putting that at the bottom of my posts. Still reading like my posts, which you could write posts like this, become a thought leader. Uh, you know. I I made I grossed over a million from my agency just um, from LinkedIn alone last year um, and and posting high quality posts like this reach out to me just very high transparent here here are the price ranges so I -hmm. did that and with within within two or three weeks you know I got five or six clients so that makes you think that make that makes you pivot. Right. Like that makes you kind of like a, oh, wait a second, wait a second. But not There's only that, there. not only that, but those clients also end up wanting more, more than just ghostwriting. They want kind of PR publicity help, you know, getting them into conferences with their, if they have to write a blog post, if they have to write a speech, um, a, a lot of other things. Right. But here's the other part about it. Think about this for, and, and I thought about this too, in terms of my ad agency, Oberman and partners, Right. I'd been posting on LinkedIn for basically two, three years. I never really finished the Oberman Partners website. I, I think I put two pieces of work up there. Right? I I barely advertise I never advertised for it. I barely wrote a post showing my own work. Mm-hmm. I barely sold my agency, talked about my agency, anything like that. I just posted. And I got and in one year, I grossed over a million with a crappy website, with messaging that was all over the place and even had typos. Like, I even forgot about my website for a while. Mm-hmm. This LinkedIn business, this LinkedIn ghostwriting business, I got six clients, high-paying monthly clients with no website, no ads, no no, no nothing.
0: Well, because your LinkedIn nope. profile spoke for itself. It's uh, my, you know, our LinkedIn friend… Was-
1: Yeah, my LinkedIn profile is is our friend Dylan
0: Chachio always talks about the fact that your LinkedIn profile should serve as a landing page and should present yourself properly with the way you need to be presented to the world. And and that'll drive your leads and and, and your sales.
1: He has a lot of good posts on that. Yeah. But, and, and, and think, but think about that for a second, not only that, but none of my posts. At that time, I started doing it now, but none of them, I've started doing it now. And I get less leads. How about that? None of my posts that I stuck the thing at the bottom for
0: mm-hmm.
1: were about LinkedIn ghostwriting or how to write a good LinkedIn post. One of them was like making fun of different type of copyright, copywriting from the perspective of a romance novel. I got three ghostwriting jobs from that post to nothing to do with ghostwriting. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh when I started, because I got scared or whatever, I guess. So I started writing posts of, about giving LinkedIn tips and, and stuff like that. I think I got a few clients from that, but but ultimately, not as many as I got when I was just, just sticking it at the bottom. I still don't have a website. So uh-huh. it, it, I'm working on it. But um, it that's a pretty remarkable thing when you think about it. Yeah. All of yeah, these, I think, I think building a brand. Well, I mean, there is a brand. There's something going. On. It's just a brand doesn't have to be what you think it is. Well, right? it doesn't
0: have to have a website. But you've built a tremendous brand. Right? The fact that you've got you know hundreds of thousands of people seeing and reading your content every month, visiting your profile, thinking about you, you're staying top of mind because they're probably each of these people seeing you multiple times by the fact that you're posting every day and getting that kind of reach. And I, I see you in, in, in my feed multiple times per week. You know, that's yeah. that's the brand. You don't need a website for that. Yeah. I guess, I guess you don't,
1: but you, are, don't. You, you also, you also don't, you know what I've also never done. I've never done. I've never like did like I've read Alex Harmozy's $100 million offers, but I know, I didn't do any of the things that he said in there. I've never yeah. sat down and like been like, okay, who am I? Okay. Okay. Here's the formula. I help da 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 da. Like, now that I'm writing my website, I, I have like a thing like, I help busy executives become thought leaders on LinkedIn. Great. Okay. Yeah. I never actually like sat and thought, I didn't do any of these these things, these courses. Well, I might argue that
0: that you, you have the advantage that you have so many eyeballs that even without doing things, what might be called, you know, the right way, you'll still have some people coming through and, and you'll find success. I I would venture that for, for the regular person who's maybe getting a couple thousand impressions off their LinkedIn, 10,000, 20,000 impressions off their LinkedIn every month, they, they might need to, to have a, a higher batting average, a better conversion rate, so to speak, off of their content than you do because you're just getting so many at-bats.
1: But think about what you just said, Mr. DR man. <laughs> you just told me that because of brand awareness, I don't, have, I, I don't even need to do direct response to a certain extent. That's a weird thing. It's, a co- it's because it's one and the same. Right. No, listen, I, I'm, I'm, don't Each get me wrong, these... I,
0: I'm a huge believer in, in, in brand, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, and, 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 I, and I think more, we, we're not going to get into this today, I guess, but, but I think more and more B2B companies do need to be building that that, that brand awareness because, kind of as you said before, most people aren't in market, in market for any given product at any given time. I think LinkedIn actually put out a stat recently saying that, you know, for most B2B services or products, you know, 95% of your target audience, your ICP, ideal customer persona aren't in market right now, which means you need to build that brand because when they become in market for whatever the thing is that you're offering, you wanna make sure you're one of the first people that they think about because they've seen you when they weren't looking for it yet. So I, I believe very strongly that that it actually has to be a, a huge emphasis building brand. I think we we, we often put that on steroids or add fuel to the fire, so to speak, by running ads, thought leadership ads, all kinds of you know content ads, et cetera, um, in order to get more of our target audience to see the thing. Point I was trying to make is that you've got the people seeing your stuff ready. And, and therefore, that even if your conversion rate from, let's say, impression to lead is minuscule, because in, in theory it is, you're getting a you know, you know, handful of clients every month off of 300,000 impressions versus somebody else who might be getting 10,000 impressions, let's say, every month, they need to have a better conversion rate of those people to clients if they're going to build a business like you are. Or they just got to learn how to create content like you.
1: Yeah, which is why my ghostwriting is ghostwriting and coachwriting. Mm-hmm. So there there are, the, for a for a nice big fee, I will write everything for you. But what mm-hmm. I prefer to do is do a hybrid where I'm writing some stuff for you, but you're also telling me what you want to write about. And then I'm helping you and showing you how to craft and do it yourself. But, but what I think that you said is very interesting because when you think about it, and this would be a little sales pitch for me, I guess, is that, one of the quickest ways to get that brand awareness for for a company that is just starting out a startup or whatever is by is through founder, or whoever thought leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very affordable way of doing it, especially working with me. Um, And um, the key, though, is and this is what I'm doing currently with my clients is the key is you got to stand out. You got to be edgy. You got to be taking, you know, risk. You got to, you have a stance. Yeah. Do something different. Yeah. If you're not willing to do that, then it's possible to do another way by just being funny or this or that, or goofy or whatever. But, um, you know, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, you know, you you gotta have some thick skin, you know, I get trolls, I get all of these things too. Um, and it's, (laughs) it's, uh, you gotta be, you gotta be ready for that, but that that's, what's going to make you stand out by taking an alternate an alternate point of view. I'll will give the listeners right now, if you're thinking about writing LinkedIn and uh, one of the things I hear about, right? Like ghost writings, you know, what are the three things? I don't know. I don't know how to write. I don't have the time. Um, and I don't know what to write about coming up with ideas. People ask me all the time. How do you, how do you have come up with an idea every day to write? I'm like I got more ideas. You have no idea. That's not my problem. I have too many ideas, but, um, one really fast hack that could probably keep you busy for a month is just, and also position you begin to position you as a thought leader it's a hack is to just think about all the things in your industry that people take for granted, thoughts, assumptions that people just make, that they just say, you know, in marketing, people will say, people don't have attention spans anymore. People don't have long attention spans anymore. You gotta keep things short. So you just come out and say, BS. If people don't have long attention spans anymore, then how come there are people in England that will watch cricket matches for five days? How come people watch Lord of the Rings for three and a half hours, extended series? People's attention spans haven't changed. They haven't gotten shorter content your content just sucks (laughs) period end of story that you know and so you write that and you're going to get like 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 and then you're going to get a whole bunch of people going no that's not true the study blah 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 right who cares right all that all that is you know is it you know but so you just you know long copy is better than short copy short copy is better than long copy you say you know what Neither one is better good than... Good copy is
0: better than bad copy.
1: Oh, sorry. So, uh, you know, yeah, you just say, you know, instead of about how long it is or how short it is, write like somebody has to pee. If, if, if you keep that in your mind, somebody has to pee, then, you know, people will, hold, people will hold it in if the movie's good, you know? So write like someone has to pee. Keep them as, as, as long as you can. And I, people, and you, and so that's a, but first of all, that's good advice, but it's also like what I was just saying, like you're, you're debunking a myth. So just find myths in your, in your find, you know, things that people just say Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and prove them wrong. And it's not that hard because there are no truisms in life. There no such thing as black and white. So you could do this about almost anything. Yeah. Let me uh,
0: let me ask you. We've 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 been here an hour already. I know you have probably got things to do in your day. Um, I usually wrap up with a quick lightning round. I don't tell people the questions in advance unless you've listened to podcast, past podcast episodes. Uh, a couple of quick questions, a couple of quick answers, and we'll wrap things up. About that, how about that? All
1: right. Um,
0: so I know you're a big reader. Um, what book would you recommend to listeners to read? It could be a business advertising book, it could be a fiction book, nonfiction, anything.
1: Has to be one book. I'll give you uh, two if you want. Okay. If you're in advertising and marketing specifically, you have to read the book of Gossage. Howard Gossage is my advertising idol. He is the perfect example of brand response. He wrote in a direct marketing style, but his campaigns were completely off the wall. Um, When you read the book of Gossage and you go down the Howard Gossage rabbit hole, you will never view advertising or marketing the same way again for the better. Okay. Okay. What's um, the second book? The second book is The Art of Money Getting by P. T. Barnum. Okay. That's a new one for me. P. T. Barnum, and that is for anybody in business.
0: A lot of people That's the Circus fame.
1: Yeah. Well, P. T. Barnum started the circus in his 60s. But before that. He sold lottery tickets. He had the Barnum Museum. He was America's second self-made millionaire. Um, he lost everything. He got it back again by going on public speaking tours. He invented mass advertising. He invented publicity. He invented PR. He invented um, he invented uh, the circus. Uh, he invent. I mean, uh, he invented. Uh, there's a certain real estate thing where you sell every other plot of land, You'd, like give it away in order to have people move in, but it increases mm-hmm. the property. He invented that. Um, he he. Um, he's called the Shakespeare of advertising. He's also called one of the founding fathers of advertising. Okay, um, I already wanted the book. He he invent he invented so many business ways of doing business today, and so many people are ashamed of it because they think of him as a humbug, you know, shyster, greatest showman type stuff. You know, if you watch the movie Greatest Showman, you see his genius. I mean, but the man was a genius, and what's what's really interesting about him is he he was everything in one. So he didn't think of direct response brand awareness or you know any of these things he just thought how am i going to get people to come to my uh, museum or this attraction or this and he just used every single means that he could mm-hmm. and the best piece of advice that he ha- he's got a lot of advice in so so the art of money getting is the speech oh he invented influencer he invented the b2b influencer he invented the speaking tour as well. So when he lost all of his money, he lost all of his money in some deal. So he went on a speaking tour about how he became successful. And that's what this book is. And tons of people went on the speaking tour and read read the, the book that he published from it, and became successful from following his advice. My favorite piece of advice, besides the fact that he says that you should spend on advertising liberally, He says um, in your first year of business, if you do this, you will never have a single problem gaining customers again. He says, after you pay yourself and after you pay off whatever things that you have to do, you take 100% of your earnings and spend it on advertising. Mark And for him, advertising meant PR, publicity. Mm -hmm. He goes, so much so that you don't even know what to spend it on. You should be like, I have $10,000. What the hell do I do with this? And he would do crazy things because of that. Mm -hmm. Crazy things. He goes, you do that in your first year, you become so well-known that it would be impossible for the competition to infringe on you or do anything like that. It just seems like good advice. Um Anyway.
0: Good good advice. Um, I definitely want to check it out now. Um, what's your uh, your favorite marketing productivity tool right now?
1: Well, according to uh, my iPhone, LinkedIn is not a social media tool; it's a productivity tool. Okay, I'll take that then. I love Trello. Um, who, Believe who's your or not, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Trello. I stick with Trello. Trello I like okay. I like I like to be able to move things. I like the physicality of it that's so Trello Trello is my favorite Hawaii right now.
0: perfect. Who's your favorite marketer or business leader that you're learning from these days?
1: That's alive? Let's go with that. <laughs> I have a lot of dead heroes, you know. Wow fact that I even have to pause and think about this. So there's so many? Yeah. Or so few. No, there there's there's not so many, but there's like a group, right? Well, uh pick one. The problem is is that they're they're different for different reasons.
0: pick pick, pick one. we we'll, we'll assume it's not necessarily your number one favorite.
1: Bob Hoffman so who his name is Bob Hoffman okay uh, he's the guy he right now now <laughs> his nickname is the ad contrarian uh, he's a former ad guy from San Francisco um, and he is basically exposing and ripping apart the digital marketing industry exposing okay. all of the uh, the uh, flaws and cheating and ineffectiveness. And it's not, it's not entirely that I agree with him hundred percent on everything, but I really admire his, I like iconoclasts. So he's like the big iconoclast right now. Okay.
0: And finally, last question, uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and connect with you? LinkedIn. Okay. So I my recommend websites, everybody go check out uh, my websites website on you know? Definitely follow his content.
1: What's garbage, uh, sorry? My, my websites are garbage, you know? LinkedIn.com uh-huh. slash in slash Justin Oberman. Send a request. I will Follow Justin it.
0: Oberman on LinkedIn. You will not regret it. His content comes out daily. It comes out, as we said before, um, educational and valuable and entertaining. Um, you'll enjoy it. Anyways, Justin, thank you so much. Been a fantastic uh, conversation. I know I've Love learned it. a lot. I'm sure the audience has learned a lot as well.
1: Yeah, had a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on
1: Apple Podcasts
0: or wherever you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on growing your sass.